Olatunde Lawal Shulari is the chief executive officer of Lantern Books, Litramed Publications, and founder of the Book Swap Foundation. His work in publishing has stretched from overseeing the editorial department to marketing, sales, and the development of a signature house style. He believes that there will always be a need for both books as well as digital support systems within learning and is devising a way forward that will capitalize on all platforms available to children today. Farida Ladipo Ajayi is a social impact entrepreneur advocating for literacy in Nigeria. She is the founder and literacy leader at the Bookworm Cafe. The Bookworm Cafe is a children's literary consultancy that owns a children's library, a bookstore, and facilitates several impactful literacy programs for improving literacy outcomes for Nigerian children. Farida is passionate about children's literature, especially literature that are mirrors for African children. She is also passionate about literacy and loves helping educators and parents become aware of its importance. Enajite Efemwaye is an editor, freelance writer, and former graphic artist. She gets paid to read, a fact that does not cease to amaze her. She tweets about Dodo and other random things and professionally edits books for various authors. Please welcome our panelists for this panel discussion as they examine the importance of African children's books locally and globally. Hello everyone and welcome to the 2021 Akada Children's Book Festival online. Um, in this panel we are going to be talking about the importance of African books locally and globally um with me i'm going to allow my fellow panelists um, introduce themselves um so tunde um hi i'm tunde lawashlaren um publisher in literary publications um also founder of the bookswap foundation nice to meet you tunde and farida hello everyone my name is farida i'm the literacy leader at the bookworm cafe nice to meet you again farida and uh, my name is enajite fimwai i'm an editor and writer and a passionate advocate for children's literacy and um, children's books. And so Farida, I mean, I'm familiar with your work, but I mean, a lot of people aren't. So could you tell us a little bit about the work that you do at the Bookworm Cafe? Okay, so at the Bookworm Cafe, we run a children's library um, and book clubs, several book clubs, anything book clubs for children. And then we also have a bookstore where we still sell books for children, different kinds of books, but we, we promote a lot of African literature for children. So how many libraries do you currently have, you said? Um, I wouldn't call them libraries, um, clubs, reading clubs. We have 17 now, around. Within and around Lagos. Within and around Lagos, so that's fantastic. Um, I mean, I would believe that you also have some of the books that um, Tunde publishes. Definitely, yes. We have lots of African titles. All right. Um, Tunde, um, I mean, your work is interesting because you're a publisher and you also have the Bookshop um, Foundation that um, is basically geared towards literacy and making books available to children. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about the work? Okay, um, well, um, Literary Publication has been around for 50 years now. So um, it's a family um, business. My father collected um, over 300 titles. I think we got verging on three to 400 titles over the years. So it's quite a body of work. Um, uh, Unfortunately, what we've found, like most publishers have found, is that 
reading uh, storybooks and availability of storybooks is not something that we really have. Despite the fact that we've had the stock, it's been a struggle to sort of find avenues of sales and um, you know, uh, avid readers for some reason. Um, what I came to realize is that it's, um, we've just forgotten that kids need books um, somehow. I think all of, all of the, the, the adults or the majority of parents nowadays don't have um, the, the, the money or, uh, you know, within their, th everything is left up to the schools nowadays pretty much. I mean, there's no parent parenting in the home. We were discussing a little bit earlier about the problems with that. People are just struggling to survive. So um, who is looking after the kids? The schools are not necessarily doing the jobs, and the school is doing their job, which is getting them through the sub subjects. But as far as um, reading goes, nobody um, seems to want to um, face that. Everybody's like moving forward into the world of virtual or new or and nothing is, is really, um, and all of this, 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 this wealth of information that we have is being lost, and it is truly being lost because it's not being reformatted because now the virtual world is filled with nonsense and the kids' minds are filled with nonsense and nobody seems to think that it's a problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah, I think. I mean, you, you, you used the word nobody, and I mean, I wanted to look at Farida because. We're part of 1% of the world is nobody. We, I mean, we are the 1% of the It's a small percentage. I mean, I always wonder um, because growing up, we read a lot, my friends and myself, but I don't know. I think maybe the introduction of media and all other kinds of um, minus. Um, that are not books, yeah. just took our focus away from books, and, and we sort of we sort of seem to not um, un realize that stories are still as important as, as they were then, and they're still as important now. Yeah, it has just dropped. So parents are focusing on other things. Books are at the back. They expect the schools to do the job of getting children to read, and then when children are home, it's a different thing entirely. So, I mean, you mentioned something about growing up, we read, I, I want to ask this question because, I mean, we're sort of in the same generation. And the books that we read growing up, were they really children's books, though? Not really. <laughs> I read all kinds of books. I mean, and I don't think my, mom, my parents even knew what we were reading. If I saw a book on the shelf and I hadn't read it, I, I didn't ask um, if it was my, for my age or if it was appropriate, I would pick it up and read it. And I don't even remember my parents ever telling me, don't read that book. I, I read everything and even think about it now I know that some of the things I was reading then I wasn't supposed to have been reading them so yeah, but now you're focusing on children's books and I mean in uh, my experience from what I've seen I've noticed that in the past 10 to 15 years there has been an increasing focus on people who actually write and publish books for children yeah. I mean what do you think of that You'd, I mean I know it's I would say it's a good thing yeah it's, it's, it's a good thing so so I think that um, for some time, people stopped reading books um, published within Nigeria and around Africa. And um, when I started this business, the complaint I got from parents was that um, the books were poor quality and um, errors, grammatical errors and all of that. And then they, 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 we now had this wave of new authors and new publishers that started publishing wonderful titles for children. And People that children are hungry for more, so I have children who say I want to read more stories like this. So it's it's encouraging, and so I think a lot of people are seeing that, and um, people are embracing more 
literature, African literature for children, and they want to um, um, contribute to that. Okay, so I'm going to, yeah, okay, go ahead. The there is like a 5,000 book sale is considered a bestseller. Yeah. In a country of 200 yeah. million, that's, that's, that's 5,000 book sales is considered. It's not, not just here. Um, I was speaking to this, um, uh, unfortunately I can't remember her name, but even in Canada, um, it's the same. Uh, she wrote a, a children's book there. And even come to think about it, it, the media, the world has kind of even forgotten kids. I mean, even kids' programs, they don't, I mean, Sesame Street, they don't, they don't really do, there's, there's no innovation. There's nothing, you know, I mean, when you really think about it, what, is, what are they doing for kids? Really? I mean, you know, even the internet's not made for kids, um, people under 13. It's something I discovered recently. Um, so if you have a child that's under 13, they shouldn't be on the internet unless we make the content. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's just, it's just every, everybody's kind of lost themselves in money and, and, and progress. And since the 80s, I don't know, it's just the new thing, staying young forever. How can we have kids when we won't still be young? It's, it's, the, the, this whole world mentality is just... Uh, I mean, so you sound, you sound pessimistic, right? Pessimistic, it's observant. Yeah, okay, observant. Mm -hmm. But then why do you still do the work that you do? Because somebody has to. Um, it's, 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 um, I've been driven to. Well, the thing is, for me, I've always, uh, I, growing up in a publishing family, I had books. And um, even beyond that, I spent, again, most of my life in second-hand libraries and, you know, um, bookshops and finding out the knowledge that I crave. I've always loved mythologies and, you know, stories that, that, uh, that are very symbolic. Stuff that, um, because a, a real story has very, very many layers. Even a child's story can be read on many layers. Most children's films can be viewed on many layers. And that layering of information, I think, is, 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 um, is amazing. You know, it, it, uh, it's life. Uh, stories are life. We all, we are stories. We all are stories in ourselves. And if we know how to tell stories, then maybe we can know how to live life. I mean, I know I've, I've had a lot of life lessons. And then coming, coming, coming back to Nigeria and, you know, it's, it's, um, I see children um, having the sense beaten out of them, literally. Um, because, you know, and, and with no room for escape, no room for, um, for their spirit to grow. It's, it's, it's literally, um, they've been, you know, everybody's trying so hard to do the right thing, but in, in trying so hard, the frustration is making them um, beat the sense out of them. And that is not working. So it's, it's the only thing that's really going to work is if the child has an avenue, if he can't find it outside, at least he can find it somewhere in order to start um, believing that the world can be more than what they see around them. I find in my work as an editor that a lot of times the books that come to me are what I call moral stories. You know, there's, there has to be, at the end of the book, you, you have the question, what did you learn from this um, story? And Farida, you work with a lot of children. I know that from my experience with Nigerian parents, they tend to like those kind yeah, of books. Yeah, yeah. How do you manage, you know, because you want children to be managed. And those stories, I mean, we were talking about earlier, 
those stories are very one track. You know, there's just one layer to the story. So how do you manage, you know, parents and the kind of books that you expose the children to? Something I always tell parents is a child can read a random book that you don't have, the typical moral lesson at the end, and they think about it in different ways. They, um, they think about all kinds of possibilities with the characters, with the settings, and you find out that they always learn a thing or two from stories. It doesn't have to be that there must be, you know, like a question and then a moral lesson at the end. It doesn't have to be. And we've proven it to, we've proven it to parents. We have a, we run a book club for children. You ask, when they, when, they tell the, when they tell you about the book they read, you don't even see it the way they saw it. They see it from a totally different angle, which is what they should be doing because they're using their imagination. So it doesn't necessarily, I don't think we always have to have stories that have, um, this is the moral lesson from the story, and then if it, if it doesn't have um, moral lessons, then it's not a good story. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I want to um, pick up that and talk about the why should children read? Mm. Yeah, There's, there always seems to be this idea that, oh, there should be some kind of learning that happens when children read, beyond just reading to be entertained and just enjoying themselves and escaping a little bit, right? So. Um, the books that you publish, mm -hmm. right? How much of that do you take, particularly the storybooks, because I know you have the educational um, books. Mm -hmm. How much of that do you take into cognizance when you know the books are being published or in your editorial process? Um, well, okay, a lot of the collection of the books that we have at the moment was created before um, I started working with the company again. I mean, obviously, I grew up in the family, but I started in the company 10 years ago. Um, the I haven't had a chance to fully explore my creative <laughs> <laughs> um, approach, um, but it's it's at the same time it's not just about me. It's it's I think um, okay. Um, you asked a few questions there. Firstly, um, learning and books, and you know this this pressure that we kids have to learn. We, we kids are instinctively learners. We don't have to force kids to learn. All they need is something that they would like to learn from, and that is something that is forgotten because, you know, we have to pass grades and we have to look good for the neighbors and blah, blah, blah. Um, but if kids have good information in front of them, they will learn. And that's all we really need to do, put good information in front of them and stop punishing them if they find another avenue of understanding. Not all understanding is one. If all understanding is one, and if all understanding can be contained with one person, then we would be God. We're not <laughs> God. Um, we, um, so we should, we should understand that um, you know, nature has done a lot of the work for us. They've created these wonderful sponges, um, and we just have to cater to be good enough to put good material in front of them and make them comfortable enough to absorb it. That's all we have to do. And if we start to understand that, then maybe we can, you know, leave the kids alone. New ideas are formulated by new minds. So if we're constantly trying to force the same idea through their minds, if they're not open to it, we lose all of the new ideas. We're losing by, by, by our approach. So storybooks is um, uh, fundamentally important. First, because the child can sit with the different words. The child can sit with the image. And if a, if a child is allowed to do that, then, you know, they, they can get their own understanding from it. Their, their, their mind can travel into the book. And that process is, is teaching the child to, you know, understand the world. 
so it's it's um, uh, it gives a variety of information. Um, I don't know. It's it's how a book's not important. Why we're discussing the importance of books shows how far we have become confused by ourselves. It's the books created the world. <laughs> the whole of the West was created on books. You know. I mean, it's why are books important? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Farida, um, so talking about, I mean, basically just trading from that into um, the kind of books that you, um, I know you're part of the decision-making process for what books the children read um, at the book club. What um, are the things you consider when choosing books? Because I know you do a mix of books by Nigerians, by African writers, books from other parts of the world. What are the things you consider when you're choosing the books that the kids read? Okay, so a big part of our work is getting children to read for pleasure. So it has to be, first of all, books that will draw the children in. Um, and then another thing we also consider is books that they can relate to. And which, um, that means a lot of African titles will be put on the table for them because they want, they see children like themselves in those stories. And they see environments like the ones that they grew up in and all of that. But so those are, so we consider, first of all, it has to be, it has to be, it has to be books that are interesting enough to bring them in. We don't want to force children to read. So it has to be books that when you place it in front of them, they're happy to read the book. So first of all, we consider books that are good enough for them in terms of look, in terms of feel, in terms of the stories in there. And then we consider how well they relate to the story. And that's why nowadays we get to do a lot of African titles because I will never forget the first time um, we decided to Let's, let's even see how it goes. And they, they kept on telling us they want to read more stories like this. It was really, really, really encouraging to see that they were asking for those types of stories. And so we started giving them more of them. But we read, we read wide. But I'm just saying that we, try, we put a lot of African titles in front of them because it totally relates to the stories. And it also encourages them to, see the, to try to write because the, um, the stories in those books inspire them to, because they can, um, they feel like they can write like those, those authors. So they try to write stuff down, even if they don't, they're not authors, but they try to put something down. And, and yeah, it's, it's helpful for them. Yeah, so I noticed you said um, African books, and I know that there is a distribution problem yes. and across the continents, um, even within Nigeria, first of all. Yeah, that's it. So how do you get the books um, for the kids, particularly books from other countries? Okay, so right now we are doing, apart from books from Nigeria, we're doing a lot of books from Ghana. But since COVID, that has um, um, dropped because our links to Ghana sort of... We, but um, right now, what we're trying to do is... So there's a group that was formed by... After a festival that held in Ghana last year, trying to tackle the distribution issues. So we have um, publishers, booksellers from all over Africa. And we've kind of struck a deal with DHL. So they give us e-commerce rates now. I haven't explored it, but it's something that I'm going to use very soon. So we can, all we need to do is to contact the sales, the reps in the different countries, and then um, they process the order and all. And it's it's way way cheaper because some people have used it. So I think that's going to really help in terms of distribution. But even within Nigeria, books, um, authors not in Lagos, um, different parts of the country, it's also difficult to. Um, shipping books is expensive, so some, sometimes it's very discouraging when you want to um, get books from across the country. I mean, we'll talk to the businessman here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned that you know you haven't completely taken over things yet, but um, how 
how important on the scale of things, I mean, I know you have a few things that you want to do, but how important is this question and this problem of distribution? Um, well, um, uh, I mean, the reason that, that, that it's a problem is because it's, it's not lucrative. Um, and it's because, again, well, I mean, if without support of the industry, um, we're losing so much talent. The amount of people who have come and gone, tried, you know, we can't get breaks, you know, abroad because we have to be foreigners to get breaks abroad. I mean, it's like, you know, living in the UK or America, or whatever, you literally have to be them in order to work in their system and think like them. And as a Nigerian, that's not possible. So you come back to your home country and think, okay, I'm going to do it here. And it's, it's, there's no, the, the money's not enough. Um, so we lose so much talent and everybody runs to foreign publishers trying to get their stuff done or self-publish and sell 5,000 books. But selling 5,000 books is not going to do much. Um, so, yeah, there's a serious problem in the industry and I think that's, uh, that's it. And it's, it's, not for the, it's not for the lack of want of books. That's a problem. It's not for the lack of want of books. It's, um, again, returning, I think that people are just forgotten that kids exist or kids need things or... <laughs> I don't know, but it's not for the lack of want of books. But it, 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 it's, it, the, the wider problem with that is that um, what, the only thing we get is foreign voices. Ghana seems to be able to do it, yeah. you know. Um, at least there's some African countries which are getting somewhere, but beyond that, we're getting flooded with um, foreign propaganda. The African Voices is still struggling to, to speak up, and we're not helping it. Um, there needs to be something done. There needs to be something done. They need to understand that this is a, a fundamental importance to the country as a whole. It's not just um, the government or the parents or the teachers that... that, that uh, well, what am I going to say? It's not, the African Voice is the people and we need an avenue and a strong avenue um, to, to bring it up yeah and and there's also the I mean when you talk about you know people wanting to you're talking about writers when you talk about people taking their books to foreign publishers yeah. and but we're also even forgetting that there are a lot of writers who are actually physically leaving mm. the country because they can't make a living from the work that they do here in Nigeria, so they are living to other. I mean, one of the um, fastest routes mm -hmm. is you know getting a, an MFA in creative writing and basically yeah. just not coming back mm -hmm. to Nigeria. You have all of these talented writers, including children's book writers, yeah. that are leaving the country. And it's not just writers; it's all the Nigerians that are leaving this country, mm -hmm. and they are having kids, and they have kids, right? And we have a. We just talked about the distribution problem, and then we have all of these books that we are publishing. Mm -hmm. And there really isn't, we're getting an influx of books from other countries, but there's no channel for getting our own books. Or the channel is really, really narrow. We don't believe in ourselves, unfortunately. The, um, the, you know, like you were saying earlier, the, the private school books, schools don't even include African stories. You know, white is right. <laughs> white is not right. Um, you know, we've just had this huge movement in America, the BLM. Thing, and there's a lot of focus on um, us. It's time to get it right. Let's say, you know, uh, the training wheels have to come up off now, and um, it's kind of sink or swim. 
Um, but we have to get it right. We have to figure it out. We have to figure it out. We have to, like literally, we have to figure it out. But we have to figure it out, one way or another. Um, well, I mean, I could segue into the, my contribution is the Bookswap Foundation. Um, we're dropping 300 different titles to 300 different kids in a local area um, with the idea that they can swap the books amongst themselves every week. That means that one child gets to read 300 books literally for free. Um, and rather than putting the books behind library walls or trying to control the reading environment or trying to control, you know, these, are, these, these books are just running wild, <laughs> you know? And, um, and I think that, uh, and we're, we're, we're desperately trying to prevent too much interference from um, parents. Because reading is a, is, is a private thing. Reading, um, it's, 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 a, it's a private thing. And it needs to be understood as such. Not everything that we read needs to be examined and, and put under a microscope. You know, it's, it's, it's let the mind wander. So um, we're intending to establish 3,000 of these and with an impact of 900,000 children. Um, and that comes um, for the first drop at bargain basement price of $4 million. It's not even not possible. It is so possible that it's, it's, you know, $4 million, 900,000 children, literally. Um, and that's, you know, obviously that's not for the whole foundation. We need to um, swap the books out. Books don't last forever. We want the foundation to last for about 10 years. And then, you know, obviously, you know, increase the reach. Um, should it be, but at least the books are getting into the hands of the children, which is much better than sitting in our store collecting dust, you know, and so it's, um, that's, you know, and I, I, I'm seeing that it's sort of, you know, it's hopefully tilled the ground a little, a little bit, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, and these kids, they just, you know, I mean, they have, and the great thing about the swap is like each kid has a different book, so, you know, the fascination, <laughs> you know, I mean, I haven't, I haven't sort of seen it sort of over time or whatever, but, you know, and then um, we're going to be bringing in the 17 sustainable goals because it's very trendy at the moment, but at the same time important um, through activities um, that, that the kids uh, that will introduce to the children. So um, hopefully that will um, do something to help, but it's, it's, um, it's not a capitalistic or orientated, it's not an economically orientated decision. In fact, um, you know, it's when you think about it from an e-commerce point of view, we're losing a lot of IP and these kids are reading these books for free and I want money for kids to read books. And there's a problem in that. It's not just about the money. It's not. It's not just about the money. It's about surviving. It's about getting somewhere. And, you know, hopefully slowly these, these kids will start becoming readers and supporting the, the industry yeah. as a whole. Um, like I said, if, if you can own the IP to um, Little Red Riding Hood, for example, and every child in Nigeria buys that book, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, so, you know, the race is on. Let's, let's do it. I, again, it's, it's, I'm not excluding other publishers. I, I want as many people to contribute um, to uh, the uh, books as possible because it's not up to one person what is the right thing to do. We need multiple voices in multiple hands all the time circulating. 
that's what it is, and then slowly something forms. There's, I mean, there's this, there's this idea, you know, when you have conversations about the challenges that you have in mm -hmm. Nigeria as a whole, whatever the industry is, there's this thing about innovation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we find that in Nigeria we have to innovate around our problems yeah. because the solutions to those problems are not in sight. Yeah. You mentioned libraries, yeah. right? And I know, Farida, what you do is Sorry. with the spaces, <laughs> with the spaces that you're creating, I mean, they kind of function as libraries to some extent, yeah. right? But then we don't have functional public libraries which would be um, a great help you know in in what in the work that I mean imagine there were there was a library in every local government you know in this country like how impactful it would be for your work exactly. I dream about that <laughs> <laughs> but, but but in in what so um, the question I'm going to ask now and I think I'll ask it today as well is how is technology helping I mean everybody's talking all the time about oh my god the internet you know technology how is technology helping you now in light of what happened last year I mean I knew you couldn't for a long time you couldn't have like physical um, book club so technology has helped us there was a lockdown last year and we had to stop physical meeting physically so we started meeting online so right now we have children from um for the we still we still run that um bit of the clubs and we have children from canada we have children from across nigeria so Uyo and different places and we meet at the same so it's very interesting to see that happening so technology but the thing the thing with technology when you talk about it is is for it helps the children who have access we still have that because we don't have public libraries, the children who are not reading because they don't have access to technology or they don't have access to libraries are still cut off. So it's helping us because our children can afford to be on the internet, but there's still a gap when it comes. So when it comes to technology, I always there's a, we have to be realistic. Realistic. It's just Lagos and you know city children who have access to all of these things when it comes to technology. Yeah, and also we're having a conversation about this um, question of access, mm. right? And um, children who who can or whose parents can't afford to get them, you know, that kind of access. Mm. So, is the bookshop is are you considering, you know, some of these things when? Uh, no, the bookshop is just about books. Um, physical books. Just about physical books. Yeah, but are you, are you considering getting those books into the hands of children that would normally not have access to them? Yes, of course. I mean, children nowadays normally don't have access to them, whether or not their parents are still relatively wealthy or not. They still don't have access to these books. I mean, even a lot of rich parents are not going to cut their kid into a bookstore. We don't have bookstores. There's, <laughs> you know, we like, I mean, no, no bookstores like we know bookstores. You yeah. walk into a bookstore and it's just like dreams all over the wall. It's, 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 it's no, it's, it's um, they, we don't have that. They, I think the climate has something to do with it. It's so hot that... Um, <laughs> You know, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know because I'm past the point where I'm consuming knowledge at the rate I used to. Um, so I don't know. Um, but I, I, I really don't think it's a crime. I don't know. We need more trees, which is, no, but really. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a fact. Yeah, we need more trees because it'll cool the climate down a little bit. And you know, sitting under a tree reading a book is a beautiful thing to do. But, um, yeah, um, I don't think technology can do what we want it to do. And we need to stop believing that others can do what we need to do as you know, parents and teachers or educators or con contributors, you know. Um, I don't know. We, we, uh, people need to sort of, um, I don't know, stop, stop just leaving it up to the schools or leaving it up to other people and we need to we need to weave the dream 
if you like. Um, we need we need to show we need to showcase kids reading books. We need to show kids pictures of kids reading books to kids. <laughs> kids need to see the kids read books. Um, I, I don't know where I heard it recently. There's something about um, as a mother talking on some kind of program. They were asking her why the kids read so much, and so she said because I read, yeah. you know. And um, so kids, like you said earlier, they will see what we're doing and see that that's a way to to grow. And if what we're going, if our legacy is the internet and all of that nonsense, that's what we want to encourage them to do. Then um, we're not. And you know, like I said earlier, the the internet's not yet built for children. We might be able to build the internet for children, but that is still for the later later years. You cannot form a mind online. I I you know, it's so addictive that the, my phone. I hardly put it down nowadays, and I'm reading nonsense all the time. <laughs> it's and I'm not relaxing. And I'm trying to find a way to get away from it, you know, but I'm trying to survive. And if I'm not doing something, how am I going to survive? It's, it's just this weird thing that we're being pulled into and we need to stop it because we don't need it and there needs to be an alternative. And then we need to go back a little bit into time because there's nothing wrong with the past. In fact, we lived better in the past. It's my theory that the English education system completely destroyed everything in the, the British Empire. I mean, I don't want to go into it in, in detail, but they, they, they took it, this beautiful whole of life and they smashed it into lots of different pieces and said, that's your education. So, you know, how does this piece connect to this piece is people don't even understand anymore. So it's not interesting. It's not interesting. It's not working. It's not working. Kids are not learning. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to be in school. And, and yeah, the, the conversation we are having earlier about the educational system and the policies that are being made, mm -hmm. and how, yeah, how um, children. I mean, how do I say this without coming off? The idea of learning, mm -hmm. the idea of reading, right? It should be worked into the education policy of every country. That is what I think. Yeah. And we have not succeeded in doing that. And, and because I believe, I mean, this is a personal opinion, I believe that the educational system is meant to work with what the parents do. It's meant to help the parents. I mean, we, we, we're not supposed to leave one to the other. You're supposed to work hand in hand when it comes to literacy, when it comes to learning, even if it's not just really learning the regular sciences and the maths and all the other things. But we do not have an educational system that supports that. And we do not have the infrastructure like libraries to support that. So it's basically just every man for himself. And then we have adults who are on their phones all the time and kids are seeing that and that's what they are copying. Yeah. So we just have, I mean, it feels like, you know, we're just going around and around and around, circling the same problems. But it's always encouraging to find people like um, Farida and yourself who have, who know that we have these problems mm -hmm. and are uh, doing their own work anyway, you know, despite the fact that these problems exist and are uh, uh, sort of having success stories. I think Farida, I want you to talk a little bit about, because I, I think if, you know, the work you're doing wasn't effective in some way. If there wasn't some joy coming back in, in terms of feedback coming to you, <laughs> you would probably mm -hmm. have lost hope by now. So can you share you know, some of the success stories that you've had? Okay, it's been a very, very interesting journey because when we started, I didn't think... I mean, I, I like to read and I wanted my children to read, so that was the motivation. But there was now this demand 
every I want my children to school because like we said parents don't have the time so they want their children to be in this place where they are sure that at least they can read a book and so they they wanted their children to be in the club so there was this really huge that's why we had to um, open lots of centers that wasn't the plan initially but I mean you know how Lagos is getting to different places so we started thinking about um, having sort of like yeah, community libraries essentially so and it's it's very interesting because it's growing in a way that I didn't yes, plan for yes and the kids want to read yes kids want to read it's, it's, yes. it's, it's, yeah and it's, yeah they really do yeah they they want that that social environment where yeah. there are other children reading uh, a lot of the times we see children two children together reading the same book mm. you know and talking to themselves and they just like that social environment with books and themselves it's, exactly it's interesting there's a thing that everybody always says you know yeah they, on on virtual basis the one thing the child cannot be is ruler of the planet <laughs> they can with books and and toys mm. then they you know they invent everything but on the computer no somebody else is in control and they know Okay, so I think we'll take um, questions now for Tunde and um, Farida. First of all, um, Nigerian children are everywhere. So we need to get our own books into the hands of those children. But they need to also learn about our own culture, even if they're not in Nigeria. They need to learn about Nigeria. They need to learn about how things work in Nigeria. But other than that, I think that the world is now, um, I call it a global village. I enjoy reading stories about other countries, Israel, um, India. And I think Nigeria should be on the table as well. Other, we, we need to have other people reading our own stories and stories told by um, people who have experienced it, you know, so, so that you, you, you know about the world, not just where you are from, but you know about everywhere around you. The world is, 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 is one, or one village essentially. So I think that um, that's why um, Nigerian books are, should be. How can people get involved with the book swap? And um, should they want to either become a swap spot or um, children can also get involved? Um, we have something called uh, the book swap rangers. <laughs> um, so it's it's uh, so a child can sort of put them forward, put themselves forward as uh, a ranger. Then we can try and locate a swap spot in that location, um, or a school can. Um, sign up but we're not just looking at schools um, because we want to try and reach the kids outside of the schools as well so we're looking at um, uh, you know private schools public schools mosques churches and uh, market associations at the moment and you know shopping malls but we're trying to reach i'd like to reach further afield um, you know obviously orphanages etc but I, I i don't want it to become like a, oh it's a poor people's thing um, so it really, you know, we'd like to reach the highest private schools as much as, you know, the people who don't have any money, the, um, you know, the, the village children or, or something. Um, there is a, you know, as long as there's a, you know, we have funding to drop the, the, the spots, we'll just, you know, just drop them as, as where possible. And as, as many groups as 300 kids as we can find. Now, the... 
Obviously, everything is, is slightly price sensitive. So um, we've offered to have the, the, the content printed at a reasonable cost within a, uh, a format that is affordable. Because again, what's, what's happening with a lot of the uh, new publishers, they want a certain format, certain gloss, certain this, certain that, and then you have a book that's 4,000 Naira. And that is not, um, <laughs> that is, it's not viable. But it's not the it's not the book itself that's viable. It's the pictures and it's the content. It's the pictures and the words. So we we can take the pictures and the words and put it into um, a form that will 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 make this this process viable, and then get it out to the kids. Um, obviously, with that, there's an agreement that you know obviously any any uh, uh, right to print is only in connection with the um, donations. Um, uh, and also, we're on the lookout for. Um, you know, a panel of people who want to, because ultimately I, I, want, I want to continuously curate the collection of books in order to really find a collection of books that really just hits all of the checkboxes, you know? Um, and so it's, and then, you know, it, it, the, the, the books will rotate. It's not always going to be the same book. So when we're replacing the books, it's not necessarily with the same collection of books. Um, um, so, yeah. I'm looking for sort of a panel of like-minded people who want to be part of that to come on board, so um, get in touch. <laughs>
even though a lot of them is schoolwork, but that space is available, they see the books there. Mm -hmm. So if that can happen, I mean, that's one way. Those kinds of, Those kind of partnerships, yes, can happen. You know, it would be good, but this is a, it's, it's the, um, the hope. Right, it's a, it's a suggestion of what could happen. Well, I think, I think we need to sort of get beyond suggesting at this stage and start taking responsibility somehow, not taking power, but sort of saying, okay, how can we help? How can we, you know, because everybody wants to come in and be like, no, it's me that's doing it, blah, blah, blah. You, do, maybe, 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 maybe this may not be the best form to talk about it, but the thing is that, I mean, Farida, maybe you've experienced it. There's a sort of resistance mm. to someone actually taking, you know, I go and I say, you know what, I w taking initiative and saying, I want to do yes, this with my own money. Experience. I no, tried. No, but that's taking power. No, no, no. If you want to do it with your no, own okay, money. No, okay, even take aside. It, it highlights the, the fact of something that is hidden. Let's leave it at that. So it's not about that. It's sort of, um, you know, again, don't go to say, oh, you could go say, I've got this collection, I'm going to collect the books and bring them to something, however. But if you can, I go in with the sort of saying, well, I'm going to do it because obviously... Uh, but they won't do it. No, you're not asking them to do it. You're taking them to do it, you're organizing it for them. I tried. I, I, so I, have, I said I have a personal experience. So I tried with the library. Um, no. I live in Illupidio, so I tried with the Illupidio library. And we tried to run a book club in the library. We got zero support from the, from the li know, librarian. But, but, yeah. The library will be closed on Saturday when children are supposed to come in to read. Yeah. And to get the key to open the library. And I'm, how do you work? <laughs> and Saturdays when children are off school, that's when they're going to come to the library. And the library is closed. Well, then you've got, you've got to consider the, the reason. You know, they work you know, Monday to Friday. Yes, okay, they, they work Monday to Friday yes. by law. Yes. And the government says that yes. it should be closed on Saturday. Yes. So anything extra is you trying to, please, but, can you? No, but then then, then the problem is they're, they're just following the rules. But is it maybe we need to put pressure on opening on a Saturday? Um, and just to say, can we open on a Saturday, please? You know, I have all of these kids and whatever, and make them see the reason why. And I think most people will be reasonable enough to sort of say, okay, you know, if there's, you know, added, I don't know. I, think I don't know. We expect people to be reasonable. But, you know, but no, no, I know, but the thing is, but instead of Monday to Friday, to make it Tuesday to Saturday or something, or Wednesday and through the weekend and have, so it's not a case of changing the amount that they're spending, it's just changing the days, the days. to make it more practical. That way it's not, um, it's innovating rather than, and, you know, not, not sort of trying to rebuild it as such. We need to fix it, not rebuild it, and we need to assist and not um, insult while we assist. It's, I've had a huge cultural uh, problem just trying to understand um, how to tread so lightly. <laughs> um, but there is a way still. I'll, I'll, I, why um, did, we, did society get to the point where we relegated children's books? I'll look at it from two angles. The first thing is, I think there's a disconnect. Parents expect um, the schools to get children to read, and the schools expect that that should be done at home. So um, there's no, like, like you said earlier, they're supposed to be, we're supposed to be working together. So the library in school, and then the children take books home from school, 
and return the books, but you have a situation where the children go to the library in school and can't take the books home because schools are losing books. So um, they stop their reading in school and then they don't continue it at home. So I think that um, one person is expecting the other person to do something about it and the other person is expecting somebody to do um, something about it. And then secondly, I also think that um, the introduction of very rich media that is not in books. So there's the tablets and the um, TV and every other thing, which are, believe it or not, competing with books because yeah. the content is rich and it's catchy, you know, and so for you to, to, to get books to compete, you almost have to make books as interactive as those kinds of content. And there's a flood of that kind of content now. Children, um, so when we're growing up, um, TV used to come on at four o'clock, so you had no choice but to, yeah. to do something. So you yeah. would read a book probably or do something else or go outside. Yeah. But now TV is on, go out. So it's a struggle for parents to pull children away from TV because um, even for parents who desire for their children to, to want to read, it's, they complain about the fact that they're always watching TV. Yeah. And, and you can do something about that, but this is a complaint um, from a lot of parents. You're always watching TV, you're always on your tab, you're always a struggle to get the tab, them off the tab. So, they, so I think that children nowadays are have this um, different things competing against each other. Mm. Um, the media mm. and then the books and then schools not talking to parents, so everybody expecting um, it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility. The Bokum Cafe has um, tried to have as many community libraries as possible, as close to homes as possible. And it's it, what, what we do is, is we do we run like a Saturday reading club where children come on Saturdays um, to read, um, talk about books, write, do all kinds of things around books. Hopefully, we have a center close to your house. We have we have clubs in Yanapata, we have clubs in um, Surile, we have in Amor Dauphin, we have in Ujudu different parts of Lagos. We have the virtual Yes, and we have the virtual one, especially for people who are not um, in Lagos. And yeah. Thank you so much, um, Tunde and Farida. I mean, this has been a very interesting um, conversation and um, we're hoping that everyone who, takes, who attends the festival, um, you know, gets to enjoy the conversation as well. And I'm believing that um, on social media, the conversation can continue and let's just find you know solutions to these problems and make sure we get our children reading thank you very much Yay.